Welcome to The Table, a weekly podcast where we discuss biblical principles and learn how to apply them to our everyday lives. In 2021, Pastor Don Castleberry will lead us on a journey through the Bible in chronological order and share with us insights that are sure to grow our faith. So relax, grab a seat, and thanks for joining us for this episode at The Table. Hey, welcome to The Table. On this episode, we have Pastor John Sopich with us. Pastor John, what's going on? I'm back. I'm back. Dude, I feel the same way. I am back, man. I've been (laughs) away from the table. I have been out of rhythm for it seems like a month, man. I know. You've you've left us. I know, man. I've missed you so much. Not by choice. (laughs) It has been a crazy month, man. Hey, well, it's good seeing you. Um, we've got a lot to talk about on this episode. We're going to be breaking down the journey of David. Break it down. So yeah, man, it's going to be good. Uh, I like the energy you bring to the table, man. <laughs> so hey, we always start each episode with something super fun. Uh, fun fact. What is a food that people really tend to like that you really just don't care for? Oh, basically anything you like, it seems like. Whatever. Um, I would, you would say people tend to like that I don't yeah. care for. Uh, for whatever reason, people lose their minds when it comes to potato salad. People are like, oh, where'd you get that potato salad? What? Oh, this is the best recipe. What people do you run around with? No, it's it's all around me. People lose their minds over potato salad. And it is disgusting. It's like a stinky foot. Oh, so like a stinky foot. I don't know whose potato salad you're eating. <laughs> so, what is uh, some a, a food item that you absolutely would refuse to eat? Ooh. That you're just like, bro, I can't do it. I, I mean, I I think we're pretty clear that potato salad is one of those okay. things. We can say that. Uh, we can agree on that. Uh, mushrooms. I'm not. Are you serious? Here's the thing. If it's on a pizza, you know what? I'll try to just fight through it and just get through it. But if someone was to be like, hey, I got these mushrooms. I work so hard on these all day long just to marinate them for you. I'd be like, uh, actually, no, thank you. I'm not going to eat those. I don't like mushrooms. So are you? would you consider yourself a picky eater? No, I just like... You're a picky uh, eater, no, bro. I just like what I you like. are a picky eater. No, I just so know what for, good food is. For those of you that uh, don't know, Pastor John does not like breakfast food. Whoa, hold on. That that is not entirely true. It is. No, my definition of breakfast food is the food you eat during breakfast time in the morning. Eggs. No, like bacon. a hamburger. What about eggs, bacon. No. no. Well, I love bacon. Bacon on everything. Biscuits, biscuits and gravy. No. Uh, hash browns. Oh yeah, I like hash browns. You like hash browns? I do. Do you like uh, change man sausage? Yeah. Eh. French toast. Meh. 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 So, so what's an average breakfast for you look like? Hamburger, steak. That is not Pork breakfast, chop. bro. That is a wonderful breakfast. So if you're your neighbor, you're going to smell a hamburger cooking at 7 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, most likely on a Sunday morning uh, before I were going in for service or whatnot. If you smell a grill going, 
It is probably Pastor John cooking up. It's some most meats. definitely Pastor John because nobody else fires a grill up in the morning. <laughs> oh, it is so good though. Negative. <laughs> I will stick to uh, eggs and bakey. Uh, <laughs> eggs and bakey. Oh, that's right, man. So, hey, on this episode, oh, what we're going to talk about, like I said, is the journey of David. And I know for generations, man, people have painted David to be this uh, squeaky clean, redheaded, freckle face, uh, oh. scrawny kid who doesn't do much wrong. He just loves Jesus and plays his heart, man. He just he just farts powder sugar and he. <laughs> <laughs> he he plays Twinkle Twinkle Little Star on his harp and Well he seriously he's one of those Bible characters, man, that if you think of David like what most people say, it's actually not a true version of who David really was. No, not not at all. And I mean th- and you would say maybe those were his mountaintop moments <laughs> if 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 you were to give it any credit at all. But most of the time, David, he was a bad mama jamma. David was having sex outside of marriage, killing people, lying, yeah, he deceiving. Was, he, <laughs> and then he goes and writes a psalm, and everybody's like, oh, look at the psalm David wow. wrote. He's such a romantic. <laughs> right, man. So, hey, we're going to get into that. Uh, we're going to look at, uh, for those of you that are just jumping onto the podcast and you really haven't been familiar with us, uh, we're covering the Chronological Bible uh, this year here on the podcast, and we are going to look at the dates of April the 22nd to the 29th. We're going to look at um, multiple things that took place in David's life, basically from 2 Samuel chapter 9 through verses, or through chapter 19. So um, what we'll see and we discover with David's life, um, he was a warrior, but he was also a worshiper. He had strengths, he had weaknesses. He walks at time in... um, Great bouts of joy, and then he mm-hmm. walks in times of sorrow and depression. Uh, we also see his defeats and his victories. Um, and so where I kind of want to pick up and start is uh, uh, just kind of build a background. You know, David's story, we kind of joke about this, but it was like a Jerry Springer show, man. It was. I mean, and this is going back from when he was like a little kid. So... You know, he's out there tending the sheep, okay? He's out there hanging out with the sheep, playing his harp. Yeah. You know, hanging out with the sheep. This guy, uh, Prophet, comes knocking on the door and says, hey, bring all your sons, Jesse. That's David's father. Right. So he brings all of his his sons except for David. Right. He was like, he was forgotten about out in the field. So, I mean, David, David, he wasn't the favorite child. He got all, he got all the dirty work <laughs> on the farm, that's for sure. Well, and you know he what you see in his life is he ventures so far from where he started. <laughs> yeah, that is absolutely true. And so, like you're saying, so he uh, he's tending sheep. Um, the prophet comes along, or the priest, and says, uh, "You're going to one day be the king." And so he has to carry that basically his life, knowing like, man, one day I'm going to lead uh, this nation. But then um, he goes back to tending sheep and but working he, on the farm, doing yeah. the worst job. <laughs> he's he's like a uh, a humble farm boy, man. Yeah, and uh, he's he's getting alone with God, and um, God is building something incredible in his life. And then what we see is as he begins to uh, get some victories and some fame and rise to power, 
really he struggles internally uh, with integrity in a lot of areas. Yeah, mold, yeah, multiple different areas. You know, you had asked me, you was like, what does a successful pastor look like? And I was like, integrity and obedience because we see in David's life, though God used him mightily, man, how much more God could have done if David had just had a little bit more integrity. Yeah. And so uh, one of the things we see in the foundation is at the time David is uh, spoken over as a young boy, there's a king uh, named Saul who it's kind of ironic. Saul started out as a godly man and by the end of his life, basically he goes insane um, and he dies by the sword and his son dies by suicide next to him, next to his dad. And Saul Becomes very jealous of David. He hates David. Yep. Uh, for 15 years, he uh, basically chases him around the known world trying to kill him for um, his own insecurities. David hadn't even really done anything wrong. He was nope. a, a man of God and integrity. And But the thing that was really crazy in that story is he has a son, Saul has a son named Jonathan. And Jonathan and David become best buddies. And so could you imagine, dude, like growing up and your best friend's dad wants to kill you all the time? <laughs> I mean, I've gotten into some trouble, like with some best friends where their dads were mad at me, but they didn't necessarily didn't want to like throw a spear at me or they never tried to uh, run me over to cap you while you're playing a video game. <laughs> no, no, no. They want to push me down the stairs right, on my yeah. way to school. Yeah. yeah, Saul, man, he was violent. Mm-hmm. And so he's coming at David. David always held on to his integrity. And then once David um, loses the kingdom, it's ha- or Saul loses the kingdom, it's handed off to David. And this is where we see a shift. And so years after David takes the kingdom, so we're right around 2 Samuel chapter 8, um, he sends out a message, a decree through the kingdom. He's looking for relatives of Saul that he could bless. And uh, the word comes back that one of uh, Saul's servants named Ziba. Uh, Ziba. 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 Uh, Hello, I am Ziba. <laughs> Ziba comes back and says, hey, man, uh, there is one guy that's left. Um, it's actually Jonathan's son, and his name is Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. He's, and Mephibosheth, dude, is living in a, a little mud shack in the middle of the desert, uh, on a horse with no name. No, he's not. He's, <laughs> he's uh, in the middle of the desert in a shack, man, in a, in a community called Lodabar, which means like desolate place or a place of waste. And, uh, you know, uh, it's crazy when you think about different people's perspectives from the Bible. So Mephibosheth's story was, uh, as the family was all being killed because that's what they did in the day, when you as a king and your kingdom was lost and the king was killed, they would kill off all of the family because they didn't want an uprising. So um, word comes back that Jonathan and, and Saul are dead. And so Jonathan had hired basically a nanny to take care of his son, Mephibosheth, and she's trying to escape the soldiers that are coming and she drops Mephibosheth down the stairs and paralyzes him. Ouch. And so he goes from, uh, as a little, yeah, man, as a little boy, he's, he's crippled. And so now we find ourselves, second Samuel chapter eight, 
And David finds out where he's at, and he sends for him not to hurt him, but to bless him. But Mephibosheth doesn't know that. And <laughs> could you imagine being in uh, Mephibosheth's place as he's looking out the window, and he sees the caravan of soldiers coming towards the shack? Yeah, he's probably thinking, bad boys, bad boys, what you going to do? What you going to do when they come for you? <laughs> and it's ridiculous, but you know, we... This is funny. This is our second time doing this podcast because the first time it didn't record right. Uh, but we we talked the first time we did this about, dude, how often are we like that when God has plans to bless us and not to harm us? Mm-hmm. Um, but we live in fear. We live in fear of the Father. We live in fear of the King. Yeah. And and, uh, and it robs us. And so what we see is... Uh, David sends for Mephibosheth, and uh, they load him up, and Mephibosheth doesn't even have a good view of his self. I mean, he calls himself a dog, and so his self-worth is not even very good. Yeah, he doesn't see anything of royalty himself. Yeah, and I don't know about you, but I've been in places in my own life where I didn't see myself the way that God saw me. (laughs) I agree. I've been there. I've been there right with you. You know, we sometimes, John, I think we look at our physical or spiritual disabilities, you know, our our character disabilities, and we think, what would the king ever want to do with me? And some people may not know this, but this is actually where we got the name for this podcast is, I love what happens, you know, uh, he sends for Mephibosheth, and Mephibosheth says, you know, I'm a dead dog, what do you want to do with me? But I love what David says. David says, there will always be a place at my table for you. And and this is where we got the name for this podcast because it's my heart and my intent that I would always want people to have an understanding if they're willing to get right with the king. He always has a place at the table for them. Yeah, that's good. And you had said something about, you know, you love that because he didn't do anything to earn the spot. Yeah, you're right. He did it. He didn't plead his case. He didn't, you know, send an email or a, a, a bird mail. I don't know how they talked long <laughs> distance back in those days, a messenger. Yeah. He did send a messenger like, yo, David, I'm, actually, I'm your, like, your best friend's boy. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, I'm crippled. Can a, can a boy get a room? Can, uh, can I get some grub? Maybe yeah, he some wasn't bread? looking for a handout. No, he was not looking for a handout. He, he himself was probably already looking at his season as, you know, I have nothing. I am nothing. I can do nothing. I I have no hope. I have no future. But it was the love of the king. It was the the actions of the king that brought him to the table. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but for me, where I'm at, where I'm at in my life is not because I did good stuff in right. my life. I'm only here because God said I can be here. I remember, man, the shack that I was in when God called and sent for me. And I'm like, man, I was I was like Mephibosheth. I'm like, I don't deserve to sit there. <laughs> you know, he went from, as he saw the caravan thinking it was over, to stepping into a completely new season. He went from rags to royalty literally in a day. In the same day. He woke up thinking, woe is me, which I would. I'm right. telling you, I would. Right. Woe is me. This is the life I This have. is it. This is all we got. This is all I got left. This is it, God. This is yeah. it. And 
he thought like, oh, they're coming to kill me. It's over. And then he went from they're coming to kill me to they're bringing me in and I'm being adopted into royalty. And then he gets set at the table with all of these royal people who think he doesn't even belong there. And so he he even <laughs> thinks he doesn't belong there. He's like, and man, I don't know if you've ever had an experience where God calls you to a place, one, and you're so humbled because you don't, you know you don't deserve to sit there. But secondly, he calls you to a place where it's like, God, I don't fit here. I remember, man, whenever God had called me to go to uh, into ministry and I went to Bible college. And I remember, man, driving onto the Bible college campus. And I was in my wife's 1988 Buick Regal. Come on, Jesus. It was burgundy. Dude. I look like Uncle Buck coming in, man, which is funny because my nickname is Buck. But I I came in, man, the middle of winter. The heater didn't work. The driver's side door wouldn't open. It backfired. This thing was a piece of garbage. And I'm pulling onto the Bible College parking lot with all of these kids whose parents are like third-generation ministry. Uh, They've got brand-new cars. They're getting out of their vehicles in really nice suits. I had on Walmart khakis and a sweater uh, that had so much lint on everything that it touched. I would leave a trail everywhere I went. And I remember, man, sitting in my car and just crying and telling God, I want to go home. I don't belong here. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, man, that must have been what it was like for Mephibosheth. He was like, man, I don't belong here. God, do you hear everything that these people are saying about me? But the king said... There's a place for you at the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You do belong here. And so maybe somebody needs to hear that today. You're kind of going through a, a dark season or a lonely season, and God is a big enough God. He knows exactly where you're at, and he's he set a place at the table for you. That's good. And so you ever had a moment where you just felt like you didn't fit? Um. Yeah. One that I can more recently remember was whenever I was going through the loss of losing my mom, my mom passed away. Uh And um, during that time was a a dark season of me rebelling just against God. And, and honestly, I was just hurt. I mean, I was just hurting myself and hurting other people. And I just wanted to hide from God. But when I came back, ultimately came back, God, he sent for me. He was there just like, just like that caravan God brought me back into royalty, and when he did, and I truly repented in my heart, you know, I God had already called me. He wanted me to be a pastor, to be a worship leader. He already called me to want to go do those things, but I came back, and I was just like, you know what? I don't want to sit at the table and be a pastor, but I just wanted to sit. I just, I can I just be the janitor? Can I just clean toilets yeah. for you, God? I don't want... You know, I don't want the, that light. I don't want the microphone. I just want that. And no, it wasn't necessarily the bad things or good things I've done. It was the fact that he wanted me where he wanted me. Yeah, that's good. There's a reason why I was where I, I am even today. is because he wants me here, not because I necessarily uh, desired to be right here. where I'm Or deserve. Today. Or yeah, even deserve, let alone deserve i shouldn't even be here at all right uh by works alone but it was by his grace and his love that he's so good that i sit where i'm at today that's so good man and 
And what's crazy is, and this is what I love about the Bible, it shows the good and the bad, you know, it shows the right and the wrong. And the very ugly. <laughs> and, dude, we're about to read some of that. Yeah. But, uh, so David, man, um, Mephibosheth starts to settle in, and then he sends for another guy, Hanon. And Hanon, he's going to bless the same way as Mephibosheth, but Hanon's friends convince him that David wants basically to take advantage of him, manipulate him, and kill him. And because he listens to his friend rather than the words of the king, he's driven away from um, his destiny to his death. And he dies by the sword because he listens to friends, man. So mm. what's that What's that speak to you? You know, man, it, you will, your friends will either take you up or they will bring you down. And whoever you are surrounded with, he will become... So these friends, they obviously didn't know the heart of the king. They obviously didn't know the intent of the king. So they had no idea who the king was or what the king's intentions were for Hanan. So you, you, you can say that this, if we were to equate it to our lives today, you know, if you have friends that are trying to tell you something about God and they don't know God themselves or have a relationship with God themselves. Right. And they're, but they're trying to discern the Bible or discern your Don't life get plan. relationship advice from somebody who's been married 20 times. Oh, tell me about pop culture nowadays. Oh my goodness. There's all love songs about people who don't have a successful marriage. <laughs> like they're telling, telling you yeah. how to be in love or how to have a relationship when they, have, they can't keep one right. themselves. But, you know, you could have a, you know, maybe you have a friend who tries to tell you all the decisions you should make for your life but they don't know the king they don't know christ right that's good so a lot of times if you're trying to take advice from god and advice from those friends this gonna there's gonna be a tug and a pull there and eventually you're gonna serve one master or the other that's so good man and so uh what we see shift in david's life next and this is where the ugly comes in is david goes from uh so hanon he ends up dying David, man, he just starts slaughtering people. Yeah. By the thousands, man, like uh, uh, as a king in their army does. And not all of that's bad. I mean, part of it is just how the kingdom is expanding and they're, they're really eliminating a lot of bad. But David begins to function in pride rather than integrity and pride seeps in. And I love how in the chronological Bible, it bleeds in the Psalms, because you actually get to see the heart of why David wrote what he wrote. A lot of the times we just read the Psalms by themselves, and like you were saying, we think David's this hopeless romantic, and he's a wordsmith. But really, yeah. a lot of that it's his journal, man. Mm-hmm. It's the pain that he's going through, and he he's like, y'all might think this is who I am, but I know this is who I am. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not who you think I am, and I don't want to, you know people to walk away and just think David was an all bad guy. I mean, the one thing he did was every time he messed up, he eventually would, would repent. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would get his heart right with the father. But what we're going to learn over the, the next few minutes is, um, as I would tell my kids, you choose your choice. You don't, don't choose your consequence. Uh, David was forgiven, but the consequences was brutal with a lot of his sin. Mm-hmm. And so, Second uh, Samuel chapter eleven, uh, the story of Bathsheba. What's this all about, man? This is basically okay. like where we go from Jerry Springer to Maury Povich yeah. in forty-eight hours, 
all in one. All in one. This is the this is the kit and caboodle. This is the Netflix most Did trending. Did you say the kit and caboodle? <laughs> yeah. What is that? Man, that, that felt old to me. Wow, dude. I'm 29. I'm feeling old. You're about to knock your cane over. <laughs> yeah, let's do this. Kit and caboodle. But check this out. This is a PD. Check this out. You ready? It starts off with saying that in the springtime, which the kings are supposed to be out at war. Yeah. So David was supposed to be doing what kings would be doing during right. that season. Yeah. Instead, he's got it good. I mean, he's won all these battles. He's King David. They sing about him in the streets. Life is good in David's eyes. Right. And all of a sudden, it came one night, one day. He was just walking out there, looks out the window, and over there, guess what he sees? He sees a sees a lady over there taking a bath. We call her Bathsheba. Or her, her name was Sheba, but since he saw her <laughs> taking a bath, it became Bathsheba. Oh my god. <laughs> no. Actual name is Bathsheba, but that's okay. And he was he saw I was like, hey, oh, he maybe looked. Maybe did a, a second glance, maybe a third. He liked what he saw. Yeah. He goes to his servant and says, yo, servant, go get that girl over there. So the servant goes, maybe saying, oh, weird, weirdo, probably thinking to himself, goes over there, gets her, brings her back. Guess what? Knocks her up. Knocks her up. And then he doesn't even know about it until he basically gets a postcard Saying, uh, you Until are the Maury father. Povich shows up and is like, you are the father. You are the father. And, and David's like, oh, snap. Uh, I need to cover this up. Right. So how does he try to cover it up? Which is what most people do with sin. Yeah, most people do that. This is how it happens. He's, he uh, sends for her husband because she's, you know, married. His name is Uriah. Uriah. He says, yo, Uriah, hey, uh, just take a break. You've been... You know, you've been you've been out there uh, uh, battling. Just take a break, and he he didn't want to take a break. He he stayed with his servants and he stayed on guard. And he's like, I'm not gonna. He's like, my friends are out there in battle. I need to be out in battle, not uh, at home with my wife or whatever. Yeah. So his loyalty kept him there. And then David's like, man, I gotta get this guy tipsy. I gotta get him tipsy and send him home back to his back to his wife to make him think. That he got her pregnant. Yeah. But still, Uriah did not want to go back. Uriah's loyalty stayed right there. He had more integrity than David did in this moment. <laughs> yeah, he definitely did. Yeah, he, he, he did not want to be where he was not supposed to be. He wanted to be on the battlefield. Right. With all his other brothers out there. So David's like, okay, well, guess I'm going to have to plan a murder. This is I'm going to have to do it. So he sends forth uh, plans to put him on the front lines in the most dangerous part of the battlefield yeah. on purpose. And then to intentionally pull out right as it's about to, the way the war is about to be waged so that he would for certain die. All to cover up his day out looking over at Bathsheba. Yeah, man, there's like so much there, you know. I like just the way I, I, I always think of music whenever I think of scenery and David was on the rooftop and Marvin Gaye was playing and he sees Bathsheba, sends for Bathsheba. <laughs> like Brick House. 
She's a brick. <laughs> right. House. And so he sends for her, man. And I mean, this is what most people don't stop to realize. She really didn't have much of a choice. No. Because if she had refused the king, she would be put to death. And so um, she gives in and David uh, does what he shouldn't do. And then rather than being a man of God and trying to own his mistake and and be repentant, rather than that, he, he does a cover-up. And that's where I said it's kind of like a 48 Hours episode, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the neighbors think David is one guy, but internally God sees David differently. And yeah, he was trying to make alibis for himself, for yeah. Sheba, for Uriah. He was trying to make, you know. Well, and this was all a uh, a plan of the deal. This was like uh, not just an attempted murder, but this was this was planned. I mean, it was it was a, a plan that he set in motion. He knew once Uriah had decided he wasn't going home that he was going to do what he he was should have done, which was. Uh, hold his self until the other soldiers could come back to enjoy their wife. Mm-hmm. Um, once David realized that, he's like, I've got to kill the guy. Um, he was so prideful, man, that he couldn't admit his mistake to the fact he was willing to take a dude's life. Mm. Yeah. And some a lesson, man, that I've taught my son out of this, and I used to teach young men as a youth pastor was... Man, if you are hanging out where you shouldn't be hanging out, you'll eventually start looking at what you shouldn't look at, which will cause you to do what you shouldn't do. And so wisdom is don't be where you're not supposed to be. And for free free advice for men that say, well, it's okay to look, this scripture tells us completely the opposite. If it's not your wife, it's not okay to look. Because um, eventually looking is not enough. That's right. And uh, and I would say that the ladies too. Um if you don't want to go down that road, don't even start on that road. And uh and so what we see is Uriah, I mean it's unfortunate it cost him his life. Bathsheba is living with this the whole time knowing she had sex with this guy outside of marriage and now she's pregnant. Um and mm-hmm. she's living with that. Then they lose the baby. Um so again, he gets to choose his his choice, but he doesn't get to choose his consequence. And so then we move in and we see uh, a guy named Nathan who was a prophet show up. Ooh, yeah. And basically he gives David the finger. He puts his finger on David and calls him out. Yes, he called him out. So what was that? Oh, man, this is good. Whew, he, he straight up went up, David. So he goes up to King David, and Nathan goes and tells him this this parable about these uh, these two these two shepherds, the, or two a rich and a poor one. So one had many sheep. The rich guy had lots of sheep, and this poor guy only had one sheep, which was highly valuable. He took care of it. It had a name. It lived. It ate with him. It it was very valuable to this to this poor shepherd, but this poor shepherd. Or when there was a need and they needed a sheep, the rich man had the had the sheep taken away from the poor and from the poor shepherd. And it's so funny because David's self-righteousness yeah. jumps up and says, we must go murder this rich 
shepherd or this rich guy. And <laughs> Nathan straight up drops the mic and says, yo, boy, that rich guy is you. You right. did that. Puts his finger on him. He man. puts his finger and calls him out. Yeah, man. And I think there's a few things, uh, life lessons we can take away from that. Number one is your sin will always find you out. You know, you can hide your sin from everybody else, but God still sees it. And, and it's also recognizing, I think, uh, Pastor John, like God can still use you when you're in sin, but it doesn't mean there's not a consequence that will come along with that. And yep. so the Bible says that the calling is without repentance. And so God can still use the worst individuals uh, for his own benefit to advance the kingdom. Um, but it doesn't mean that they're godly just because he's using them. And um, if their heart isn't right, eventually that will be revealed. And we do see at the end of David's life, there is a turning. Now, there are some things he never deals with. Um, mm. Lust is really lust, bad. L-U-S-T. Man, dude, it really runs through David's family tree. To the fact when David's about to die, they take a young lady and they strip her down and put her in bed with David. And they're like, if the dude doesn't move... He's dead. And uh, because the king, it's awful. But the kingdom knew like this was something David struggled with. And because he doesn't deal with it, he hands it down to his kids, which we're about to read about. And it destroys his family. Um, and so I, I do think, you know, um, that we, we, when God shows us something, rather than continuing to go farther down the road of sin, the benefit to ourselves and others is to have enough integrity to be honest and just admit what you've done. And mm -hmm. that's hard at times, I know, but, but man, God loves integrity. And so what happens next is uh, we learn that David has uh, slept with a lot of ladies. He has kids by different women. In fact, uh, there's a few that's mentioned in the next couple chapters. Uh, he has a son named Amnon by one woman, and he has a son named um, Absalom, who has a sister named Tamar, by another woman. And his son Amnon has eyes for his sister. Oh. Gross. Ew. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> you icky. Icky. And it's crazy, man, because you see even lust in David's brother Jonadab, because Jonadab then gives advice to his nephew um, to pretend he's sick, and then when his sister comes in to bring him some food to nourish him, to basically uh, rape her, to take advantage of her. And so this is what... That's a, cra that's a crazy uncle. Bro, it's it's terrible. And uh, But what you see is uh, Amnon does that. He takes the advice of his uncle. And Tamar is just so distraught, she goes back to her brother Absalom and tells him what Amnon has done. And... Uh, it's heartbreaking, man, because David doesn't even do the right thing as a dad to address his son Amnon. It says he was furious, but he doesn't do anything. Well, this ticks off Absalom, his son, and he begins to carry bitterness, and he begins to plan a murder on his brother. And, you know, something I All think... All because David, his father, didn't want yeah. Just didn't do the right thing. Just look, look the other way. And so Absalom really gets a bad rap, you know, and everybody looks at Absalom like this uh, unloyal, murdering son. 
but he had a lot of dysfunction and hurt in his own life that he never dealt with. And so I'm not justifying what Absalom did, but it is understandable in a way um, why he was thinking the way he was. He was like, man, if my dad's not going to take care of this guy who basically ruined my sister's life, I'm going to avenge uh, my sister. And so he sets in plan that in the fall time, while they're out shearing the sheep, uh, that they'll surround his brother and they'll murder him. And so that's what they do to Amnon. Dude, it's like a mafia drive-by. Yeah. Hey, it's, you. It's like hey, the Godfather, man. Don't even think about it. And uh, Teach it, you. Teach it, you a lesson. It, it is crazy, man. It's like Hatfields and McCoy's stuff. And so you look at, at Absalom, and it's tragic what happens to him next because as soon as he kills his brother, the Bible records for years, dude, he runs and hides because he's afraid the father is going to come and kill him. But that's not what the father does. David actually says in, his, in the Bible he grieved in his heart and he longed for his son Absalom. And mm-hmm. so... You know, how many times when we sin do we hide from the Father? Do you think of, can you think of anywhere else in the Bible maybe where we see that? Yes, basically like every person in the Bible did that. Yeah, right. Yeah, like Peter did whenever he, you know, said, oh yeah, I don't know Christ. When Jesus said, you would say that. Yeah. Peter said, I'll never say that. But then he did. And yeah. then the rooster crowed. And then instead of, uh, you know, uh repented he just went back to uh fishing he just went about went back to, uh, to what he was doing before or moses or moses did that uh who else who else did that oh adam and eve adam and eve right right so yeah. it's from the beginning of time right <laughs> it's all of humanity man like you said i mean that is our human nature is rather than coming before the father transparently we think for some weird reason man that we can hide. And God's like, dude, I see everything. I'm omnipotent. Right. I'm everywhere. You know, one thing God spoke to my heart when I read this was whatever, Omnipresent. whatever we hide, he cannot heal. And, mm. and so if we want to have lives that are whole and healed, we must reveal, we must be transparent. And um, man, dude, if you've done someone wrong, it's so cowardly to just go to God and say, hey, forgive me and not go to the person. You know, if if you've messed up, own it. Um, mm-hmm. That takes humility, man. That takes, uh, that takes a lot of guts and a backbone to do that, but that's what God really admires. And it's tragic, man, when we look at the life of David and we can take away and learn that when the father is distracted, the family will be destroyed because... That's what happens in David's scenario. He loses his son Amnon. He loses his son Absalom. He basically loses Tamar, his daughter. He loses the baby from Bathsheba. And so he has all of this death around him. Um, And this is where we get a lot of the Psalms, you know, the the heart that is just broken and uh, lonely Mm -hmm. is because a lot of it was David's own mistakes. And... It didn't have to be that way. And he had a hard time all the way up to his death fully owning a lot of the stuff. 
Mm-hmm. And so, man, if you're listening today, I would just encourage you, man, if you've done something to take you out of fellowship with the Father, uh, if you think that the King is uh, coming for you to destroy your life, it's actually the opposite. Yeah, There's a ta- place at the table that he's set for you and he longs to be with you, but you have to repent and you have to get your heart clean and right. And David does figure that out. Yeah. He continually comes back to the Father and he says things like, you know, take my life, but don't take your spirit from me. Mm-hmm. He longs to be with the Lord. And so could you do us a favor, man? We we end this way a lot. And maybe just pray for somebody, uh, Pastor John, that's out there listening to this and they're struggling and they feel like they've done too much. They've gone too far to ever return back to the Father's table. Yes, absolutely. Father, I thank you, Lord, to those listening to the sound of my voice. God, may they understand that if it was for perfect people that you came, you would have never came at all. God, you came to us in our most broken states. The fact that we're hurting or the fact that we struggle is the exact qualification that it is for us to come to you. Yeah. God, you said in your word, it's not the, isn't it the sick that need the doctor and not the healed and whole? So, Lord, I thank you that you, you love us even in our brokenness. God, even in our worst moment, you love us just as much as our worst moment, God, as you would love us in our best moment on this, on the side of heaven. God, I thank you that, that in the hearts of both men and women, that are listening, Lord, that they'd see you're not mad at them. You're not angry. You don't hate them. You do not not hate what you've created, what you have destined for greatness, what you have created. You did not create something so you can hate it. God, you created something so, so you created someone so you can love them. So, Lord, I thank you for those that are here. Let them not lose hope. Let them not be <laughs> uh, depressed or, or discouraged because of all the David garbage that we've yeah. been airing out, baggage. But let them see that, that there is hope. If, they, if you can use David, you can use absolutely every single one. Yeah. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. And God, continue to do a new work in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, hey, man, thanks for joining me today. Ooh, it was fun. It was fun. And uh, I would just say a takeaway for people to remember is there's always a place at the table for you. Don't let the enemy lie to you about that. So we'll see you right back here at the table next time. Well, hey, like we said, that's all the time we've got today on the table. If you have been blessed by this episode, would you please hit the subscribe button and share with a friend? And until next time, we'll see you right back here at the table.